Hallelujah. So I just wanted to share briefly before I get into the, the message today. And if I could have uh, that put on the back screen too. That, you're on it. Thank you. All right. That way I can tell where I'm at. Uh, I just wanted to just kind of brag a little bit about what happened this week. We had a week of prayer. So last Sunday we started it every night at 6 o'clock, except for Thursday because we got snowed out. But uh, the rest of the week, and what an incredible time we had with the Lord. And for everybody that came, I just want to thank you for being a part of that, for interceding for our church, our community, our nation, and the world. Uh, we couldn't do church without you. And I believe prayer, especially the first of the year, just needs to be a big part of what we do because that's laying the foundation for what's going to happen the rest of the year. And for those who came, we experienced something this year that I've been here 20 years. Say, that's really long. <laughs> Say, Pastor Norm, that must mean you're really old. <laughs> Which I am. But in 20 years, I don't think I have seen or witnessed a prayer time like we've had this week. There was a freedom in here. People were sharing things that were deep from their heart. We had a, a sense of community or family, if you will. And, you know, that's what church is about. It's about recognizing each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. It's about bearing one another's burdens, carrying them for each other, praying for one another, uh, calling that person when they're sick or when they're just not feeling good. Anybody have moments like that? And would it be okay if somebody got a hold of you and said, hey, how you doing? Right? That's what the church is supposed to do. And you're going to hear a lot more about this kind of thing throughout the remainder of this year because I have sensed this is where the Lord is, is trying to take us. But again, and, and I, I didn't want to discount the fact that we had worship almost every night. And uh, Tammy, God bless you. You know, you were up here on the keyboard and Pastor Roger and some of the other team members, Clarence. I just love you up here because you're always smiling. And man, that encourages all of us. So thank you for, for being so enthusiastic. <laughs> Clarence, Clarence is a worshiper, and, and uh, I remember you said this the other night. You've been here 18 years. 18 years. Man, that is, wow. You're almost as old as I am. You're almost as old as dirt. So last week, I spoke about the mission of Jesus. Remember that? What was the mission of Jesus? What was Jesus' mission? Don't everybody say it at once. All right, I'm going to give you a hint. Luke 4:43 from the NLT says, Jesus replied, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, why? That is why I was sent. So why did Jesus come? To preach the good news, to usher in the kingdom of God, according to Luke. In Mark, we see another example of this. Later on, after John was arrested, John the Baptist, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced, the kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. So, again, Jesus' mission was 
to invite people through his words and his actions to repent and to be cleansed of their sin and become a child of God. And I love this verse just because it's an example of this. But to all who believed him, say this with me, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Poke your neighbor and say, are you a child of God? (laughs) Hallelujah. I hope you are. I hope everybody in this room is. When you say yes to Jesus, everything heaven has to offer is yours. Jesus said, you have been grafted into the vine. Most of us are Gentiles. We're non-Jewish people. And he said, you have been grafted into the vine because I love you. And because he's grafted us in, that means we are an heir to his throne. And his authority and his power is available to us to live a life for God. And that's what he expects from us as his children. But too many of us walk around like, and I, I shouldn't use this term, like the redheaded stepchild. Because some of you have red hair, and I don't mean. You know what I'm saying, though? It's like the one that nobody knows or wants to be around. We act like we have no part in the family. Where'd they come from? But that shouldn't be the case. We should be living so obvious, so transparent, that when people look at us, they're like, he must be a follower of Jesus. One amen. All right, you're not going to sit there today. All right, I need your help here. To all who believed and accepted Jesus, they are called children of God. And that is a huge promise, thanks to Jesus. Now, I want to tease this idea just a little bit, if you'll allow me. What would the good news have sounded like to the first century people? What would they have thought when somebody said good news? I wanted to give you maybe an example of what they might have thought was good news. Hey, brother, I paid your uh, Roman taxes for the year, so you don't have to. That might have sounded like good news. Or, I've signed you up for the fig and olive month of the club of the month. The fig and olive club of the month. Huh? Can you get that? Instead of jelly of the month or whatever. Or, hey, I've convinced the governor to free your brother, Barabbas. You remember that one? Yeah. Hmm. Now that might be good news. But listen to this part. Compare it with the good news that Jesus shared. You are healed. Now listen, if you were the one being healed, you'd be all in, right? That'd be good news. I have come to give you life and life to the full. I mean... Would that really excite you? If this is a, you just met Jesus, the Messiah, the Master, the Teacher, the one that came from Nazareth. You just met this guy. And he's out there and he says, I have come to give you life and life to the full. Okay. 
I mean, really. I'm trying to get you to see this from their perspective. I don't know. Maybe I'm just the weird one here. Or he said, he said this, good news. He said, rise from the dead. Who was he talking to? Lazarus, the one time. Rise from the dead. Now that might be good news if you're all wrapped up in grave cloth. He said, I have paid the price for your sin so that you don't have to. Again, it's great news. But if you don't understand what's behind it, it might not mean all that much to you. And then finally, he said, your treasures are being applied to your heavenly bank account. No, really, I want them put in the bank account here. That might not be such good news. I said I wanted to tease this idea, all right? Let me go to maybe some kind of a modern-day suggestion. Now, this is what he might say today if somebody were to hear good news. You just won the $650 million Powerball. Now, none of you I know would gamble. Probably, maybe. But that might be good news to you. I don't know. Someone just paid your house off, or someone bought you a house if you, you don't live in one already. Would that be good news? Most of you are in agreement. We're going to give you an all-expense-paid vacation Two, if you have children, Disneyland. Or if you don't, Hawaii. Would that be good news? Tammy's like, yeah, let's go. How about here's a year's supply of gas? Woo, man, you would, you would just feel like you are wealthy. This is the good one. I'd like to hear this. Norm, from the doctor. Norm, your blood pressure is 120 over 80. Or a similar one, have any of you used that Higgy where you, you sit down on the seat and you do your blood pressure? And then it reads it to you. And if you sign up, it, it measures your weight and stuff. Yeah, uh-oh. So I did this once when we were in Florida. I haven't been on it since. And it measured my weight. And it supposedly it measures it, you know, in accordance to your height and all that stuff. And uh, at the end of it, it said, Norm, you're obese. And I went, I'm obese? So good news to me would be the Higgy machine saying that I'm not obese. That would, that would be good news. Today, if Jesus were to give us good news, what would he say? What would his good news be? You see, the things I've shared here, the examples, that's what the world would like to hear. That's what they think is important most of the time. Right? You listen to anybody, they're either, especially older people, they're either talking about their health or what they're going to eat next. Truth, isn't it? Very seldom do I enter a conversation where they're talking about Jesus. If Jesus were to give us good news today, it might be you have been forgiven of your sins. Is that good news? Sure, we could say that. And we might agree, yes, it's good news. Because otherwise, what's the alternative? <laughs> 
It's a little warm in here. How about you're now a child of God? Do you get excited about that? Is that really good news to you? Maybe it's you're healed. So many of us need to be healed. You know, I, I confess that my back is whacked out. I tried to move that tree over there, and Mike was helping me, and I didn't. I thought it was a light tree. That tree is not light. And when I went to move it, it didn't move, but I did. Or a part of me, anyway. So I've been praying, Lord, heal this back. How about this? Jesus said, I want to partner with you. I want to make you fishers of men. And ladies, you know that means you too. Right? Fisher women. I want to make you fisher women of women and men. Whatever. Or how about this? The Lord said, I will fight your battles. You don't have to. How many times do we try it on our own? And the Lord's standing up there, now try it my way. Let me do it. Let me help you with this. Finally, <laughs> this is my favorite, you will live with me forever in heaven. Is that good news? Anybody here ready for that? I am. I'm ready. What if it happened right now, the trumpet blew, and we were all taken up? Woo! Can anybody else get excited about that? My whole point in sharing this list of examples is to give you an idea of what the unchurched might be thinking when we try to share our story, when we try to share the good news as we understand it. There's a big difference. The perception of the person is going to change as they understand who God is. But in that initial introduction, when people are just getting to know Him, or perhaps just getting to know you, they don't know about God yet. You have to walk with tender love and mercy and grace. The same things God used and extended to you, you have to be willing just to back up a minute and go, all right, they've got to understand this before I can shove the good news down their throat. There's a reason I'm not pro standing on the street corner yelling, you must repent and be baptized. Maybe a handful of people will come to the Lord that way, but most, they aren't ready for it. They need to see Jesus with skin on first. One of my favorite adages. You are Jesus with skin on. And God wants to use each of us to minister to this adulterous, lost world. As a child of God, it is something that you should expect to do. And this is why I brought it up. Most people want to see an immediate benefit when you offer them something. Otherwise, they want nothing to do with you. You can try to share Jesus with them, but if they ain't ready, 
you're not going to see results. Now, if they get an unexpected check in the mail, that'd be good news to them, right? But you trying to say, Jesus gave his life for you. Jesus died on the cross for you. Jesus went to the grave for you. They're going to be going, okay, what does that mean? They don't understand it because they don't have the Holy Spirit giving them the insight yet. I mention this today because I want each of you as disciples of the Lord to realize that our mission, which is to make disciples who make disciples, we've, we are not always going to be well-received. There might be times when it's difficult to share with somebody because they're just not ready yet. What do you do when you run up against somebody that's rough ground? What's the best thing you can do? Who said that? Good, thank you. Pray for them. Pray for them. Let God do the work first. Because until they're ready, until the Holy Spirit gets a hold of them, what you try to do, and I believe there's a scripture that says this, don't cast your pearls before swine. That's what it's talking about. If they're not ready, why are you spending your time there? How are you going to know if they're ready? We're going to get into that just a little bit here. But the big reason is, the big way you know somebody's ready is, they are receptive to what you have to say. The good news. To some, it's not going to be good news. To some, it's an indictment. Sinners are going to go where? You're not convincing me. Sinners are going to go where? Thank you. Not thank you because they're going to hell, but thank you for stating that as a fact, which it's stated over and over and over in the Bible. If you are not right with God, if you have not given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and asked Him to forgive you of your sins and made you that new person, if you're not born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Period. And I'm not trying to be harsh on anybody. I'm just saying that's what the Bible teaches. That's what Jesus said. You have to take advantage of what the king did for you. For what Jesus gave his life for you. But you've got to receive that gift and take full advantage of it. And you do that when you confess your sins and turn your life over to the Lord. I wanted to share just a, a, a brief little story here in Mark 6. And I know you've probably read this before, but Mark 6, and it's also found in Matthew 10 and Luke 9, and I, I only bring that up, so all, all of the synoptic Gospels have this story. Then Jesus went from village to village teaching the people. So what's he doing? So what's that mean? He's doing what I just said. He's sharing the good news. All right? He's trying to usher people into the kingdom. He called his 12 disciples together, and he began sending them out two by two, giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. 
Now, apparently, this was a pretty common thing in the first century. Today, we don't see it as much in the U.S., but around the globe, this is still happening a lot. You go to countries like Africa or South America, you see this a lot. And when people are demon-possessed, you know it quickly because they're out there calling you names. And, and you understand quickly that this is not a human effort. This is more than that. And when people pray in the name of Jesus, they are delivered. And that's one of the reasons the gospel is going so strong in these two countries. Or continents, I should say. Moving on. He told them to take nothing for their journey except a walking stick. No food, no traveler's bag, no money. He allowed them to wear sandals, but not to take a change of clothes. And again, Jesus is just trying to show them you need to rest and lean on me and nothing else. When you're my disciple, I am preparing you to go. I am resourcing you. I will give you everything you need as my disciple. And that's one of the reasons in this example. Now, a little later, he does this again, and he tells them, take a sword, take your tunic. So again, he's just trying to show them it's the first time out of the gate. You need to lean on me. Trust me, okay? Um, verse 10. Wherever you go, he said, stay in the same house until you leave town. But if any place refuses to welcome you or to listen to you, shake its dust from your feet as you leave to show that you have ab abandoned those people to their fate. Now, in the first century, the rabbis, as they journeyed around Jerusalem and in other areas, the Middle East, if they entered a Samaritan town or a Gentile town, when they left, they would do just this. You know, wipe, up, wipe the dust off their feet. Now, they did it for a different reason. They felt like they were defiled or unclean, and they, they didn't want that. And it was a religious thing, okay? But in this case... And the reason Jesus said this to his disciples was he knew there are some people that are not going to be receptive to what you have to say. There are people who have already determined where they're going to end up in the end. And it's not in heaven. It's not with the Lord. But it's their choice. So when we go out to share the good news as I'm going to challenge you to do, the remainder of this year. If, if I come in here next week and there are only two of you, I'm going to understand. We've been called to be disciple makers. And that starts with you becoming a disciple, if you haven't already. But when you run into these people who are going to reject the message that you're bringing, reject the good news that you're trying to share with them, what Jesus is saying is, look, just wipe the dust off your feet. Their fate is in their own hands. You tried. All right? You tried. So we need to give it our best effort. But in the end, it isn't up to us to save anybody. Would you say that out loud with me? It's not up to me to save anybody. That's God's job. What's our job? To share the good news. To share the good news. That's what our job is. Hallelujah. 
Verse 12. So the disciples went out telling everyone they met to repent of their sins and turn to God. And they cast out many demons, healed many sick people, anointing them with olive oil. See, they're on the olive oil of the month. Never mind. But their mission was to tell people about Jesus. Yes, to pray for them. Yes, to see, hopefully, miracles happen at their hands as a result of God. But their mission was to share the good news. And let me tell you something. If somebody gets healed after you prayed for them, they're going to listen to you. They're going to listen to you. We have some things coming this way uh, that are going to give you that experience a little bit later this year. But I don't want to share too much right now. But I, I just want you to know that we're moving in a direction where we will uh, send people out two by two. And I'm, I'm not talking about going to somebody's doorstep and knocking. That's not what I mean. I'm talking about looking for opportunities that are right in front of us. Whether it's in Walmart or Myers or Kohl's or Jet's Pizza or wherever you happen to be. When you start praying for people and they get healed or whatever, People are going to respond differently to you. All right. So last week I went into some detail about how Jesus commissioned the church. He wanted his disciples to go, not to sit in their nice, comfortable, easy chairs like you are right now. Right? These are comfortable seats. See, if I'd had the foresight, I would have went with wooden pews like they used to do. Because then you wouldn't be comfortable. Of course, you probably wouldn't be listening to me either. Especially for as long as I usually go. What is it, an hour and a half usually? Does anybody remember the address where Jesus commissioned the church? Who said it? Oh, the preacher said it. Thank you, preacher. I'm glad you're here today. Matthew 28. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, that, even that last sentence ought to be good news. When you are a child of God, when you are a disciple of his, he is with you. You see, when we get into a, a, a fix, when we get into a bad situation, we think we're alone but you're not. If Jesus is your Lord, and he should be, he is with you always. Always. Not just some of the time. And his command is to go and make disciples. 
teaching them everything that Jesus commanded. So what do you need to do that? What do we need if we're going to teach people what Jesus commanded? What helps? What's the first thing? Some of you have them with you today. Your Bibles. Man, come on. You ought to be word rich. You need to understand what God expects from you. Now, I gave a definition last week, and this is according to the uh, KC Underground Church. I'm just going to put it up. Again, a, a disciple is a person who is apprenticed to Jesus, and this is their definition, in the fully alive life, experiencing habit-fueled, ongoing transformation in character and calling while moving deeper into community and multiplying disciples. That's a mouthful. There's a lot of meat to this idea. But in, in the, the bare minimum is this, that you're allowing the Holy Spirit to change who you are. You're putting yourself in His hands, and He is molding you into that person He wants you to be. When He's finished with you, if that happens on this side of heaven, because I believe that work goes on until we get there, but as He works on you, you should look more and more like who? Jesus. Every single day, you should see improvement if you're a disciple of His. If you're not seeing improvement, then something is amiss, and you need to correct that. But as disciples, we are going to develop stronger relationships with the Lord as we develop better relationships with each other in community. This is a community. When you meet in your home and you talk about Jesus, that is a community. Wherever you're at, maybe some of you have Bible studies in your homes or at work. That's a community. That's what I'm talking about here. So with this definition in mind, as disciples who make disciples, we begin this by sitting under someone who teaches us. And, and if you're not already there, just listen to this short little thing I'm going to share. The Holy Spirit and a mature disciple will help you grow. This is so important. How long did Jesus spend with his disciples? About three years, right? So if Jesus didn't let his men go out, 100% that is, until they'd been trained, what makes us think that we can do any better on our own? And yet that's how most in the church are. We haven't been discipled. We wallow through life all by ourselves. And let me just say this, that is not what God intended for his church. We're here to lift each other up, to share each other's burdens, to pray for one another, and to enjoy life together. I love hanging out with you guys. Some of you are really weird. Weirder than me. And I love that about you. Because you're different than I am. If I hang out with people that all look like me, it's going to be boring. But I get around some of you, I'm like, man, you're a firecracker. It's fun. So, we put ourselves into the hands of the Holy Spirit. 
And we allow a dis disciple, mature disciple, to mentor us. The Holy Spirit knows you inside and out. Will you agree with that? He will help get you into good spiritual shape. As I see it, he helps take the rough edges off. The mentor will help guide you, give you advice where you need it, maybe teach you some of the things that the church uh, implements for good reason. You know, maybe it's Bible study, whatever. Uh, praying and all the other things that we do. He or she gives us advice and shows us the ways of the church. This is the way. I've heard that somewhere. The disciple is required to read the Bible. Amen? I want to say that again. The disciple is required to read the Bible. If you don't know what's in that book, I would question whether you're a disciple. If you're not cracking it open, if you're a disciple, you're going to allow the Word of God to wash over you. And that's what happens. As you read it, as you meditate on it, it washes over us. It, it literally cleanses our spirit and it gives us direction. How many of you have read the Bible, different passages? And as you do, you recognize, hey, I read that before, but I didn't get that out of that. But now I'm going through such and such, and, and when I read it this time, it was like, man, it was so clear. It was right there. How did I miss that last time? Well, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you, as only He can. But He uses the Word of God. Jesus is the Logos. The Word was from the beginning. When God spoke eternity, or I'm sorry, the universe into existence, as we know it, all the stars and the planet and all the other things that went with it, Jesus was right there saying it. He is the Word. And the Word came in the flesh. How much clearer can it get? There's no other Word that came in the flesh except Jesus. So the Word is important. And as you digest your Scriptures, another word for the Bible, as you read your Bibles, you are literally feeding on Jesus. Hello? Our spirit needs it. Our spirit needs it. As our transformation takes shape, a disciple starts then sharing, oh, this is the part you love, sharing the good news of Jesus. Now, for many of you, you're shuddering already. I asked some of you to pray, and you freak out on me. Publicly? No, go over in the corner and do it all by yourself. I'm not making fun of you. I'm just trying to get you to see the humor in this. The Holy Spirit wants you to be vocal about what He's done in your life. And if you give Him an inch, He'll take a mile. That's a good thing. And here's what I'm trying to say. When you just begin to speak, you might not even know what you're going to say, but God will fill your mouth with something good. When I was born again, and this was, I'm going to age myself now, 1981. I know. And I was a young man already. Older than some of you are now. <laughs> then. Anyway. 
not to dwell on my oldness. When I was born again, there was such a joy in my heart that I could not contain. I was so pumped about who Jesus was and what he did for me because I was pretty rough. And I've shared this story. I'm not going into a lot of detail today. I'm just telling you, I was a sinner. Jesus saved me. And all of a sudden, I, I got this picture of who I was in Christ. And it was a good picture. I'm no longer that sinner going to hell, but now my name's been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Now, I have been given eternal life. Now, that Jesus who paid the price for my sins is mediating, is praying for me so that I would be victorious and successful on this side of heaven. When you get that in your noggin and in your heart, man, you can't help but be excited about it. And that's how I was. And guess what that meant? I had to tell people, you need Jesus. Now, I might not have done it the best way, all right? Some of them, I ran them down. And, and you've heard me say this. My wife didn't know Jesus as her, her Lord and Savior yet. She knew of Him, but she didn't have that relationship. And when I went home after becoming born again, I had an instant change in me. And this doesn't happen for everybody, but it did for me. Everything, the, the sinful Mormon was no more. No more cussing, no more drinking, no more smoking, no more doing drugs. Yeah, I did all that. Now, I'm going to stop there. I could go on. I won't. And I went home, and she knew me as sinful Norman. And I come in the door, and I'm like, Honey, I can't wait to tell you what happened. She's looking at me like, You've been drinking? <laughs> no, really. It's good. I gave my life to Jesus. I'm a born-again Christian. And she's like, What? Did I leave it there? Uh-uh. Man, I was running behind her. I was sharing. What, is this true? I'm bumping in. She would stop. I'd bump into her because I'm reading from Scripture. This is not how you do it. <laughs> Go back to the beginning of this message. you got to wait for them to be ready. I scared her right out of the house. She left. She rolled the window of the car up on me. She called her friend later and said, I think Norm's lost it. Because her friend wasn't born again yet. She is now. <laughs> She's a powerhouse for Jesus today. So is my wife. Three weeks later, by the way, my friend gave me the best advice ever. He said, Norm, just open your Bible up. Maybe John 3.16 or something. Put it on the coffee table and leave it alone. And stop badgering her. Nobody wants to be badgered. And I did that. And a few weeks later, my friend invited us to go to a David Wilkerson, I think they called it a crusade. It was in Owasso, Michigan, in a high school there. And, and we went, and my wife gave her heart to Jesus that night. And I want to tell you this, our life has been a miracle ever since where we were ready for divorce, we were ready to give up on each other, 
We were even ready to give up on then two kids who we'd already had together. God healed our marriage. And then he healed our hearts. Maybe it was the other way around. He healed our hearts and then our marriage. But whichever way it went, we were changed. But I'm sharing that story just to say, I was so alive when I first came to Christ. And that's a time when each of us needs to really share what we believe God has done for us. And here's the other thing. Baby Christians, they have more relationships with sinful people because that's where they were, right? My friends were still drinking and smoking and doing all the other stuff. So when they came over to my house, instead of me offering them a beer, I offered them Jesus. It's true. Now, how long did they stick around? Not very long when I didn't offer them a beer first. That's just how it was. I'm not saying that was right or wrong. I'm just saying they saw a difference in me. I shared the good news, but they weren't ready yet. They weren't ready to be a disciple. Hallelujah. So a big part of what we do, uh-huh, if you could put it on the next slide for me, that'd be great. A big part of what we do is represented right here. When we speak to somebody, God will put the words in our mouth. All right? And if you have studied your Bibles, I'm not telling you you have to be like I'm doing right now in, my, in the master's program, but I'm saying you need to get the Word in you. You should all have a devotion or two that you listen to every day that shares Scripture, not just the warm and fuzzy ones. But when you put something in you, God can pull it out when He's ready for it. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He will teach you everything and remind you of the things that I've told you. Of course, Jesus said this to his disciples. So the Holy Spirit will remind you of what you read in that scripture. Luke 12, 12 says the same thing. The Holy Spirit will teach you at the time what needs to be said. And, he, and in this context, he was referring to uh, people who are being persecuted. When you got drug in, in front of the governor or the mayor or whoever it was, that the Lord would fill your mouth with what to say. But hear me, you've got to put something in to get it out. And that's why this is so important that we become Bereans, that we become students of the Word. It's a huge part of being a disciple. Sharing our testimony, I talked about that a little bit. This is important. Everybody here should be able to tell somebody in three minutes or less what God has done in your life. You can have a longer version when you, for when you have longer, but everybody should be able to tell somebody quickly what God has done. That's, that's, that's just a time frame, you know, it's not to the second, but you get what I'm saying. When I invite you to share, if you go over uh, 180 seconds, then the big buzzer's going to go up. <laughs> My math, right? Yeah, I don't know. So a disciple also needs to step out in faith. And this is what I was talking about a little bit earlier. We will have some things for you soon 
that will be relating to our praying for the people's hurts, healings, and other needs that people might have today. You know, people are desperate for something. They just don't know what it is. And I believe we have the answer. We have Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. We're children of God. We have a beautiful family, a beautiful community of believers who love the Lord and are trying their best to serve Him. We need to share that and not keep it to ourselves. God really likes to show off when we exercise our faith and pray for people. Finally, a disciple gives people opportunities to repent of their sins, just like you were given that opportunity. To receive Christ as their Lord and Savior, to become born again, according to John 3, 3 and 5. So again, this is what a disciple does. By doing these things, we're doing what Jesus commanded us to do. And there's one more step, and I'm getting close to the end. There's one more step. After those people repent and receive Christ, this is when the real work begins. This is when these babies in the Lord require the most attention. Now, if you're a parent, you understand this. When your baby was born, that little person couldn't do anything except one thing, well, two things, cry and... What a mess, literally. Right? New believers can be the same way. They make a mess. But they need somebody to care for them, to help them along the path until they're old enough or mature enough to take care of themselves. I believe this is one of the reasons that the church is floundering right now. We have lost this step. We see people come to the Lord and pray the prayer of salvation or whatever, but there's nothing drawing them back, nothing holding them there, nothing helping them to mature in the Lord. And that's where we come in. Every person needs mature disciples of Jesus to walk with them and help explain about Jesus and faith. Every person. This would be the glue that would hold them. This is where multiplication comes into play. God is in the business of multiplication. Everything he touches flourishes. His church has not been flourishing. So it's time to start making disciples so they can make disciples. This leads me to the thing I shared at the end of my last message or the beginning. The Hope Church is all about helping others prepare for eternity. This is where we need you to join us, to be a part of this church. We're going to fulfill the great commission that Jesus gave us in Matthew 28.
And there are going to be many ways that we accomplish this. It's not just going to be one way. Everybody's unique. Everybody's different. And we want to use all the giftings in the church, not just a couple. And I don't want you to ever think the only one that can lead somebody to the Lord is the guy in the front who says he's the pastor. Because that is not truth. That is a myth. God uses everybody to lead people to Christ. In fact, usually it's a friend, a brother. Usually it's somebody you know that leads you to the Lord. It's not the pastor. I want you to be praying about your part in this loving community of believers. This is, this is not going to be the year for spectators. I'm just throwing it out. This is the year for everyone to get committed and involved. God's calling. <laughs> Come. I will make you fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men. Now as I close, just and I'm throwing this out today just, just so you know, all right? Because as I've read about all this stuff about church and the modern day that we're in, a lot of people don't know how to get on board. So I'm calling this the onboarding, okay? If you're new to the idea of Christ, I would ask that you tag along and jump on the Jesus train, if I can call it that, when you're convinced that what we're saying is real and true. When you see us living like Jesus told us to live, when you see the Holy Spirit living in us, and we're that example of Jesus, and you can go, you know what, I like what I see. That's what happened with my wife. She saw Jesus in me. She saw me living in that first few weeks for Him. Like I said, He, was, he, was cha- he had changed me. She saw that example, that, that testament of God's power in me. And that's what drew her. You know what she said? She said to her friend, she said, I think Norman's on drugs, but I'm not sure. But I like what I see. So I'll, I'm willing to give this a chance, this Jesus thing. How many around us are just waiting for us to be that example of Jesus? You know, instead of us in the shop or wherever we work, cussing at people like everybody else does, what if we, were, we took a minute and just stepped back and, and just counted to ten if you needed to and came back with a patient response? What do you think that would do to people who are used to you cussing at them? <laughs> They'd be going... What's wrong with you? They would see a difference. That's what disciples of Jesus do. That's how they live. Amen? Three of you said amen. If you're new to the Hope Church, but you've been a believer for some time, talk to one of our leaders. Have a conversation. We want you to be a part of this church. Find your place, disciple. If you've been at the Hope for years and you're already a mature believer, I'm asking you to pray with us and seek God's face. Find your place. Become a mentor. Help us train these new believers. What has God made you for? Each of us is a masterpiece in the Lord's hands. Where can you serve best? Finally, if you're online and Listen, I know many of you live a distance away. 
I just want you to understand that I'm not expecting you to show up at church here, but the Holy Spirit can give you ideas to use right in your very home. Maybe you have church in your living room. Maybe you draw or, or invite two or three people to come and join you as you're watching the service. I'm just saying, pray about it. Ask the Lord, what can I do, even from a distance, to be a disciple for you, Lord? Is this fairly easy? I mean, does this, does this sound like rocket science? The last slide, if you would. This is our mantra this year. Helping others prepare for eternity. Would you say that with me one time? Helping others to prepare for eternity. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Let some blood get down to those toes. As I end here in prayer, I, I just want everybody to know that this has been on my heart for a long time and I am trusting that the Holy Spirit is going to throw the net out this year in a way that none of us expected. And it's not just at the Hope. It's at Evangelical Free Church. It's at every church that is full gospel. If they're preaching Jesus, they're going to see an increase this year. But here's the thing. We've got to be ready for them. And when they come in, we've got to be able to disciple them. Because I don't want them just to come in and go out. I want them to grow and become disciple makers. That's how the church grew in the first century, and that's how it's still going to grow today. And we're going to give you the, some of the tools. The Holy Spirit's giving you most of the tools. But we're going to give you the tools of the church, and we're going to help you with this. But be praying with us, would you please? Asking the Lord, what's my part in this? And if it's a little harder than you think possible, just go, okay, Lord. Good, it's bigger than me, then I'm going to need you. Right? Father, thank you for everything you're doing in and through the hope. Through our church family, Lord, we ask today that you would bless this congregation, Lord, as only you can. And help us wrap our minds and our hearts around this idea of helping others to prepare for eternity. To be disciple makers as you have called us to be. To go and make disciples of all people baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them the commands of Jesus. That's our, that's our call. That's our mission. Now help us to carry it out. If there's anybody here today that say, Pastor, I, I just would you pray with me? I, I need to get right with the Lord. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're here today, you just could use a little extra prayer before you go out today. If that's you, I, I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. Anybody at all today that just needs a little extra prayer? Yes, anybody else? Yes, thank you. You can put them down. Anybody else? Several hands went up. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we, we again pray for those who raise their hands that you would just do what only you can do, Lord. Encourage them first. Lord, help them to know they are not alone, that Jesus is with them always to the ends <laughs> of eternity. Lord, I pray that you would guide them, give them strength. Lord, if, if they need a miracle in their life, Lord, that you would provide it in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you as you encourage them. And I pray that some of our saints will gather around them, Lord, and, and just hold them 
gird them up, encourage them as the church is intended to do. And now as we go home, Lord, keep us all safe on those slick roads. Loose angels around us if need be, Lord, keep us safe. Lord, until we meet again, we pray that you would help each one of us to be a stronger disciple than we were when we came in here. And we pray this all again in Jesus' name. And everybody said, God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you for coming out today.